This is Science Friday. I'm Maddie Sophia. And I'm Kathleen Davis. And now it's time to check in on the state of science. This is KER St. Louis Public Radio KKD Iowa News. Public Radio News. Local science stories of national significance. In many parts of the country, we are already in peak snow season. And to combat snowy and icy roads, there's one thing that usually works pretty well, and that's road salt. Salt is good at preventing your car from sliding all over the road. But when too much salt runs into waterways, it can disrupt sensitive river ecosystems. It can also corrode water pipes and make drinking water too salty. Our next guest looked into this growing problem in Wisconsin and across the upper Mississippi River Basin. Madeline Heim is an environment reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and the journalism collaborative, the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk. Madeline, welcome to Science Friday. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to have you. So to start off, Madeline, can you explain how we got here? It's not just that we've been eagerly oversalting the roads in the past couple of years, I would imagine. Right. So chloride, which is um, what we've been finding in elevated levels across the Mississippi River and, and frankly in lots of waterways across the upper Midwest, it's a pollutant that doesn't dissolve or break down over time. So essentially, once you are putting in road salt, putting in chloride into a waterway, you know, if you start putting that in in 1980, that stuff is still in there today. The Mississippi River Basin, upper upper basin overall, has seen at least a 35% increase in chloride levels since uh, the late 1980s. Because it never goes away, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's going to be in there for life. I mean, just how high are these chloride levels in the upper Mississippi River Basin and in Wisconsin? How grim is the situation? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit different depending on where you look. The upper Mississippi River and the, the river in general is obviously a, a huge body of water. So it has it does have a lot of capacity to flush, flush the water in and out. And so although we're seeing large percentage increases of chloride, for example, um, there's a spot, a monitoring station in western Wisconsin that was saw a, like a 66% increase from the 1980s to today. But the numbers aren't aren't as huge because, you know, the, the river has the capacity to flush that stuff out. The places where it's more difficult are the smaller streams and rivers and lakes. And some of those places have reached acute toxicity for chloride. That's something that both the EPA and several individual states measure. And so we've, we've seen places in the Twin Cities or in southeastern Wisconsin, obviously that's not along the river basin, but... There are some places that have reached acute toxicity for chloride. So it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, we there are some water bodies that um, have not reached that point. But I think folks who are interested in this and concerned about it are are worried that they're going to eventually. So what happens when a waterway reaches that acute toxicity? I mean, why is it so dangerous? Yeah, so essentially if you if you think about the aquatic life and the fish and the plants and and the birds and everything that lives in a freshwater ecosystem, they obviously live in a freshwater ecosystem for a reason. They're adapted to living in fresh water. And so when the water becomes saltier and you know in some of these cases becomes excessively saltier, they just can't handle that. So those um, toxicity levels that I mentioned before from the EPA, if if you're reaching these acute levels, which obviously that that does take 
take a lot of chloride, but it has happened in some places. Um, that can kill plants and animals pretty quickly. You know, it's changing their whole entire habitat, which they're used to freshwater, to something that looks more like salt water. Obviously, not as salty as an ocean or anything, but um, you know, it's it's just changing it gradually, and and that can have an effect there. And as far as you know, further reaching effects, salt. Uh, when it gets into groundwater, it gets into pipes, it's corrosive, so it can corrode infrastructure, lead and copper pipes. And if it gets into drinking water, you know, drinking water that's too salty, we can actually start to taste that. Obviously, no one wants their drinking water to taste super salty, but for folks who are on like low sodium diets, for example, that can start to be unhealthy. Yeah, I would imagine. So your reporting did focus on the upper Midwest, but I would imagine that this isn't just a problem there. Is that right? Yeah, this is a pretty widespread problem, so much so that the EPA had released uh, a statement, I believe, late last year, just saying that, you know, they're looking at this issue of freshwater salinization, that that's, you know, it's a big enough issue that they are, uh, that they're looking at it countrywide, that freshwater is turning into turning into salt water, so to speak. And I would say, you know, it's it's prevalent here in the upper Midwest with road salt just because we are a colder climate and we have to use that. <laughs> but there are other reasons that chloride can get into the water through water softeners or um, potassium chloride fertilizer. So there's certainly this issue in, in other places. With colder states, it does tend to be road salt. That's a, a dominant factor. Mm-hmm. In your reporting, you also looked at some solutions to this problem. Can you tell me about some of those? The biggest thing that I heard from the experts that I talked to and, and, you know, the folks just working on the ground on this stuff is that it's really about not about cutting salt use out entirely, because obviously some salt use is really important for keeping us safe and keeping us from slipping and falling. And so no one's arguing like we should just completely stop using salt. It's more about using it properly and applying it properly. So for example, salt doesn't work very effectively at temperatures below 15 degrees. So if it's zero degrees out and you've got your salt trucks out there just dumping salt pile after salt pile on the road, that's not actually really going to do anything. So a lot of the people who were working on this are are interested in helping salt applicators really understand and become educated about proper salt application, how much to apply. And then we do also see solutions like brining, which is when you mix salt with water, dissolve the salt a little, cut down on how much salt you're using. In Wisconsin, it cut down on salt almost a quarter on average on Wisconsin highways uh, last year. So, you know, it, it works. So there's certainly like solutions to be found there. Of course, any new equipment that people are going to have to buy is expensive. So I think, you know, the facilities folks who are applying salt are certainly looking to, they're going to look for needing grants and things attached to that. But um, there's definitely lots of possible solutions out there. And some cities are using beet juice too, right? Yeah, yeah. Beet juice is a, you can you can use that as a brining agent to kind of help it work in lower temperatures as well. So yeah, that's certainly one of the more creative solutions out there. Well, uh, as long as nobody is licking the roads, uh, hopefully that solution will be, uh, be a good one. Thank you so much, Madeline, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Madeline Heim, environment reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and the journalism collaborative, the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk.